The Dragon Reread is brought to you by Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that shooting stars aren't actually stars, but armadillos? NASA frequently uses armadillos for experiments because their shells are naturally resistant to extreme temperatures. In <laughs> fact, the word meteor comes from the ancient Greek word for armadillo. <laughs> I did not know I that. I didn't know that. Uh, for more armadillo facts, to unlock bonus content, and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 32 through 37 of Lord of Chaos, book six of The Wheel of Time. Previously, Rand chats with his new bestie, Luce Theron, and survives yet another assassination, this time with the help of his Mazrum, I'm totally not a forsaken tame, <laughs> uh, mysteriously popping in and zorching a useful captive. Which, you know, that's just a thing you do sometimes. Also, there's a brief cameo by Patton Fane, which we, you know, we're all excited because we missed that guy. Uh, meanwhile, Tom and Julian rejoin NDA just in time for Nynaeve to de-still Loghain, Swan, and Liane. And I'm sure none of that will have far-reaching and world-changing consequences. <laughs> Speaking of consequences, Morgay's finally succumbs to the shite cloaks. That's my new name for them, the oh, shite cloaks. Nice. Good, I like it. Uh, finally succumbs to their demands, signing Andor over to their shitty bullshit. Hopefully every white cloak dies in a fire before that happens. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Chapter 32, Summoned in Haste, Icon of the Ring. So everybody in Kyrian is on edge, especially the wise ones. Um, except Egwene, who's kind of still getting her business done with Gwyn. Yeah, she's, she's got other things on her mind. <laughs> right, yeah. She's just chill right now, you know? Everything's okay. Yeah, it's everything, it just feels like everything's going pretty well, you know? And uh, it's because of the the White Tower embassy is there, and nobody knows how that's going to go. And the Shido are hanging around, too, or at least yeah. the Shido wise ones. Savannah is a wise one now? Yeah, you know, I get Isle customs and all, but the Shido have betrayed, like, every Aiel, you know, tenet and, and, and honor a dozen times over. They should not be trusting these people, right? Yeah, I feel like, like, Savannah is Mitch McConnell, who's just, like... She'll use the rules against you if you obey the rules. She'll she'll use that to control you. But she's not going to obey the rules herself. She's totally spying. Yeah, she's just walking around like involved. Oh, I'm just uh, just listening to your conversation. Definitely not spying. But you know, if you say anything important, I'm certainly not going to use it against you. Someone needs to kill Savannah tonight. Like make it look like an accident. Whatever. How much better off would everyone be if someone just like. She tripped over a, a, a rock and broke her neck mysteriously. <laughs> right. Yeah, fell into a, a spear thicket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how those are just lying around sometimes. I mean, so, that does sound like the sort of thing that would actually be in the waste. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A spear thicket. Where do, we, where do you think we get our spears? <laughs> right. It's the spear thicket. So if you fall down ever in your whole life, you will land in a spear thicket and die in the waste. <laughs> That's how it works. It's a hard land. <laughs> So Egwene, at one point, rows out to the Sea Folk ship to just pry on him. She doesn't have a reason. Mm -hmm. And they dunk her in the water. Yeah, this is. I, I like this idea. She's like, I'm going to do a little study abroad with the Sea Folk and just see how it goes. And they're like, no. It, no, like, yeah, get no, lost. Fuck you, get you. It goes very poorly. Yeah, they dump her in the water and then she like, she, she doesn't she understand that this is, they're 
water is their element. She dunks them in the water too, but they're really good at swimming. <laughs> they're like, okay, yeah, that's... <laughs> we like the water. <laughs> <laughs> this is nice, <laughs> but it's kind of dumb, right? Like, like she's risking an international incident because she's like, you know, kind of a dick. I because guess. Igwein just can't stand other people having secrets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they have a giant channeling at each other dunk fight right in the middle of the river where everybody can see them for miles around. Yeah, she's not supposed to be uh, around, right? Like, channeling in the middle of a city full of Aes Sedai who don't know she's there is a really bad idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. But finally, finally, for the first time in this book, Egwene is allowed by the Wise Ones to go to Teleran Riyadh and meet with Saladar Aes Sedai. So they can talk with each other. It's very abrupt. Like, I, I, I was not expecting it to happen this suddenly, you know, mm-hmm. just out of nowhere. And then the first thing they do is they immediately give her a formal summons to come to Saladar. Which is super creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the scene was just, like, eerie to me for some reason, I guess. Yeah. Then they insist that she enter Teleran Riyadh bodily to get there faster. Which, which... why would they know that's a thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it surprised know, maybe... me that they thought even that even occurred to them. It wouldn't have occurred to me. Oh, uh, I think it might have occurred to me, because uh, you know it seems like a place. Seems like you could go there. And I guess yeah, I guess that'd be the way to to, to shortcut. But... but the wise ones don't like it when people do that. And we still don't know exactly what's wrong with this, right? They just want control over it as a resource. I think that's so. all it is. I don't think that's it. Yeah. Really? Because they don't do it, right? Like if no, that they... were true, they would do it, right? They, yeah. Well, it, it's super dangerous, right? You know, because you could. Turn yourself into a horse in real life or something like that. Who knows? I guess so, yeah. But they, they say, oh, you lose part of what makes you human every time you do it. It's all about control. They, yeah, control. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound that bad, losing part of what makes me human. That just makes me cooler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, human machine. parts. Those are the weak parts. Yeah. <laughs> and so Egwene, of course, has to go. But uh, meanwhile, Rand saw it all, including the location of Saladar. Yeah, I love, I love Swan's little moment here where she builds this magic like dream map just kind of like showing off her dream skills Mm -hmm. because she's been traveling around the dream constantly secretly right Right. yeah that's what she's all about Mm -hmm. so she's got a bunch of talents and so Rand saw the map that she created out of dream stuff yeah, Rain has finally learned what literally everybody else in this world already knows, which is they're ace, they're in Saladar. Yeah. Even the white cloaks know where this. <laughs> yeah, literally everybody. <laughs> like you'd think somebody would have just like mentioned it to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when he's floating around the entire world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Yep. Chapter thirty-three: Courage to strengthen. Icon of the Aiel. So before Egwene goes, she finally confesses all of her lies to the Aiel. And does a bunch of toe stuff to make up for it. Yeah, um, it's interesting how they react to it. To not me. like not like toe stuff with your toes. Like, <laughs> no, like it's, I mean, yeah. it's toe stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I kind of I don't think this is really how humans work, but it's kind of a nice fantasy here, right? Oh, I I crossed this person, so I just go do some penance for them, and then we're square. Like, they're, they're guaranteed to, to forgive me if I do the right penance. Isn't that kind of like Catholicism, though? Uh, like, you do the yeah. confession, you, you yeah. say your rosary. And... More of an interpersonal thing, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I ate the last piece of cake, and someone's mad at me. I can, like... Let go... them beat you with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have them torture me in some way. But then we're square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and what struck me as kind of odd is that they were... It was not that they were upset that she deceived them they were upset that she lied to them which i guess is a di- something they differentiate like every time she yeah. literally said i'm an Aes Sedai, that was when she 
right did the thing well right? they didn't they didn't care what the lie was they didn't give a shit whether she was an nice die or not they just care that she lied yeah i thought that was kind of an interesting approach but i guess it makes sense for the aiel mm-hmm. so yeah she submits herself to their penance and we cut over to see what matt's up to he's playing snakes and foxes with alver yeah her the adorable little kid friend who nothing bad could possibly ever happen to <laughs> right they're and, best friends and matt totally doesn't see himself in alver at all as sort of like a father or big brother figure. Yeah, I, I remember the first time they met. I'm no bloody father figure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the first time they met, Oliver's talking about what what's in his pockets, and it's like exactly what Matt carries around. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I've got this feather and this really cool little stone. <laughs> Matt's like, oh, I have a feather and a stone. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a really cool stone. It is a really good stone. Can we trade stones? It turns out snakes and foxes, which we, we've heard of before. It's sort of a co-op game where you're working together against the snakes and foxes. Mm-hmm. But you can never win. So it's kind right. of like Pandemic. Well, you can never win as long as you follow the rules. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is really interesting because basically this game is designed to teach humans how to deal with these extra-dimensional beings, right? Like it starts off with like a list of their weaknesses. And then it's like this game where you have to learn that cheating is the only way to beat these things. Yeah, it's right. Like fascinating yeah. to me. It's Yeah, it's really cool. It's remnant, I guess, of a time when they... Maybe they, they was someone they dealt with normally. So I think, knowing that Matt has played this game many times in his childhood, there is no excuse for him not to know how to deal with the snakes and foxes. <laughs> I mean, really? It, it, it's, it's right here. It's all right here. Wait, did Matt play this game as a child? Yeah, didn't he? He was talking about it. He, I think he implied that. He's playing it with Oliver, and he's saying, ah, it's a thing that kids play until you realize you can't win it. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was just that he had figured that out sitting and playing with Oliver over and over again. But maybe maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. So is this like a super meta thing because Matt also went to the worlds with the snaky people and the foxy people? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. What if we're all just in this game? Yeah, I know. Yeah. What if the world is just a game of snakes and foxes, man? Mm-hmm. You just got to learn the rules so you can break them. Even now, Matt doesn't really get the snakes and foxes thing, right? He no. doesn't really put two and two together. He doesn't. Well, no, he doesn't, does he? Matt's got a lot of, what is it? A lot of um, wis- oh. intelligence, but not wisdom. Oh, and very yeah. specific intelligence. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. He, he is definitely intelligent. He's clever and he's, he's good at sorting out problems. But yeah, he does not connect dots no. <laughs> at all. But uh, Rand visits him. Yeah, maybe we'll finally get some idea what their plan is. No, No, because Rand is like, ah, fuck the plan. You're going to go do something else now. Yeah, I know. New orders. Go pick up my girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. He's sending Matt and the band to Saladar to go get Elaine. I mean, so we talk about baller things you can do to, like, hook it up with your girlfriend. First, giving her 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 country back, right? Mm -hmm. Second, having her picked up by an army, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, have an army. No big deal. Yeah, best general in the world. Whatever. Just just to pick you up, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck sending a limo, right? (laughs) But I, I don't know. I feel like this can only be a disaster. Yeah, I, this this seems like such a bad idea. I, I mean, is this is Rand going mad? Right? Like this doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, he, he considers it a very important thing in the game of houses. I think it kind of makes sense. You send an army to go bring back the queen. I mean, it, that that makes sense. It's just like. The Aes Sedai are not going to like this. Elaine's not going to like this. He could go himself. And Matt is the most undiplomatic person yeah but rand rand when rand goes places he kills people and destroys buildings and turns everything upside down i mean and people freak the fuck out only about like half the time right like he (laughs) hasn't destroyed most of kyra wait he hasn't destroyed all of kyra (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know right and definitely definitely camelin is like i'd say like 
80 to 90 percent intact remember right? he wrecked the shit out of that place then he rewound time to bring his buddies back i mean he could do that right i mean he just has to bail fire something i don't know maybe yeah. he's just trying to avoid elaine because you know romance and bullshit and stuff and those two letters she wrote that um, we spent all of last book hearing him yeah, talk that's about. That's true. This is a good point. Maybe maybe he's sending Matt so he doesn't and, have to see her. And I guess maybe he shouldn't. He feels like he shouldn't go like a supplicant to Saladar. You know, like want there's, there's something you have that I want. I've come for it. That yeah. or maybe too he sense. doesn't want to interfere with Elaine in terms of like the politics. Like she needs to be the queen. So mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't want to be getting no, you know, right? getting in on that. Or maybe yeah, he didn't say this, but maybe if she shows up at the head of an army and takes back her throne, that looks a lot better for her. Yeah. Hmm. Either way, this this plan is so so. Just to like keep this straight, he's essentially going to teleport an army into the midst of a village full of Aes Sedai, and then he's going to have that army march across two sovereign countries, which I'm sure that they're going to be fine with, right? <laughs> like this seems like a really bad plan, right? Yeah, and led. I will point out again by. Matt, whose middle name should be I Hate Aes Sedai, Kothon. Yeah, that's a good point. Sending Matt into a city full of Aes or a village full of Aes Sedai, just, I'm sure that's going to be fine, right? Let's see how it works. I mean, on the other end, on the other hand, uh, Rand's a Tavaran and Matt's got this crazy luck, so it's probably just going to go, like, perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> then we get back to Egwene, who's getting whipped to make up for all her lying. Yep. And Get the shit beaten out of her. Yeah. yeah, this brutally beaten with a belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which, I think I think we said this before, but I think Robert Jordan really hates Egwene. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes I, to beat the shit out of her. I kind of hate Egwene. Okay, well, I mean... No. Well, Robert Jordan too, right? <laughs> yeah. first, he, first he had the whole, like, Sean Chan, like, torture porn thing, and now he's like, nope, tie her up and beat her with a belt. Mm-hmm. Then she has a tearful goodbye with the wise ones. And I just... Yeah, I keep thinking... You know, I don't like the wise ones. I don't want to agree with them. But what if they're right that it's bad to go into Teleran Riyadh? Right? What if it does make you inhuman? Has she ever asked them why it's bad? Because she I don't think she has, right? Like I, They just say it's bad. They say it makes you less human. But they could probably provide some context well, there, Well, right? even one of them, one of them even um, says, though, like, we only think that. We don't know that. So it might just be purely theoretical conjecture mm. on their part. I suppose that's true. We, we, we only know other than... This instance, two people who are who are or do this, right? Mm-hmm. One of them being some evil hunter creature in the in the Teleran Riyadh. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, if he's the one example, something's sure sure wrong with that dude, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Rand. And, well, and, and Rand too. Well, I mean, I mean, he's fine. He's okay, uh, right? Yeah, 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 I mean, <laughs> so was Listeran talking to him before he did that dream walking thing, just out of curiosity? That's a good question. Huh. I mean, it's kind of contemporary, right? It happened around the same time. I'm just saying, you know, oh. not saying they're connected, but I'm not saying they're not connected either. <laughs> yeah, so she sets off. I chapter... guess all is all that ends well, right? Yeah. Uh, chapter 34, Journey to Saladar, Icon of the Tar of Alon Flame. So Egwene goes into Teleron Riyadh on her first try. She's like, I kind of think I know how to do it, and it works. And uh, I, which is great because I was thinking how anticlimactic it would be if it didn't work, and she's like, Oh, I guess I have to walk to Saladar now. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to but, walk uh, the old-fashioned way. Yeah, so she, it's cool when she's in the dream bodily. She does the Perrin Seven League Boots thing, where every step takes her miles and miles and miles, mm-hmm. but with so, a horse. So it's kind of consistent. Whatever Perrin's doing, it must be more connected to this. Oh. And, yeah. yeah, and she makes Bella, MVP Bella. I miss Bella. Wait, where is Bella right now in real life? 
He's glue at this point, right? <laughs> is she? I don't know. It hasn't been that long. Isn't she? Oh, wait, no. I'm thinking of Pips. Bella, I think, is back in Two Rivers, right? Maybe. Did, oh, did Perrin take her? I think he went, she went back with Perrin and Fael. Oh. Maybe. I, I thought that Egwene had left her in the White Tower stables. Oh, well, oh. I hope I, not. It, that wouldn't probably go super uh, well. Listeners, if you remember where Bella is, please let us know because we're worried about her. <laughs> <laughs> we're seriously concerned w- about her. www.whereisbella.com. <laughs> we, need a, we need a wellness check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she makes Bella to ride around on in the dream. And she can heal herself in the dream. Yeah, heal her sore butt. Her sore butt comes up a lot throughout these chapters. I mean, can you blame her though? Like, that's got to hurt real bad. I mean, if you can, you should, right? She's, she's doing this whole thing where she's like, well, I should bear the punishment. It's like, nah, nah. Yeah, nah, she's you're still fine. not. I still think she's not thinking big enough if you're in the dream world, right? Yeah. She put on wings and flew around one time, remember? I was wondering the same thing. Like, we know that she can literally teleport around. Like, she she didn't jump to uh, Tyr. She teleported to Tyr, right? Mm hmm. Could she not do that now? Well, you have to kind of know where you're going, I think. And she's never been to Saladar. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And I think Robert Jordan just had a lot of fun writing this, too. Like, I'm not going to blame him for having a good time. No, it's a good point. It's fun. Yeah, a trip to Saladar in hours and minutes. She goes over all the different terrain types and stuff. Yeah, and he loves that, too. And, like, he talks about once in the forested hills, she runs into the head and shoulders of a huge statue rearing out of the earth, a remnant of some land lost in history. With a weathered grimace. I actually missed that. Robert Jordan did a, a lot more of that in the first book, but he hasn't done it as much since where, you know, this little remnant yeah. past. It's something I enjoyed. And who is it? Somebody wept for there were no more lands to conquer? Alexander. And Alexander wept. Yeah. So Egwene gets to Saladar and meets with Sherium's council. Oh, when she, real quick, when she leaves the dream, her healing doesn't carry over. I was, I was wondering about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Ouch. So I guess you can't accidentally get turned into a horse in the dream. It Apparently doesn't. not. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't carry over. But wounds that you sustain in the dream do? It seems a little inconsistent. I mean, she didn't get hurt in the dream. Yeah. No, but I remember when Mogedian got uh, arrowed in the dream, that carried over. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't understand it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Egwene goes to meet Sherium's council. She's, she meets... Uh, as summoned. If he meets a, a servant by the name of Nildra, who's just had it up to here with everyone's shit. Egwene <laughs> <laughs> walks and says, Sherry, I'm summoning me. And Nildra's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Come on. <laughs> uh, she's, we've met her before, right? She's the one that, that Mogedian works for? I think so, yeah. And she doesn't even know the kind of danger that she's been put in. <laughs> yeah, she's being a real dick to Mogedian. And... We know, we know that this is a time bomb, and Nildra's like sitting right on top of that yeah. time bomb. <laughs> There's a list, and she's top three. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so Egwene meets with the Sheriff's Council, and they're still being really rigid and formal with her. She doesn't know what the summons is about. Um, and there's this young lady there, an Aes Sedai, that Egwene can't place her until she starts saying a bunch of fish crap. <laughs> she's like, oh my god, that's Swan Sanchez. It's funny because she knows her name is Swan. She's like, that's not Swan. And she's saying the fish shit. She's like, oh, yeah. Swan. <laughs> Ramonda will get her like a fat carp. Egwene gaped. The voice registered more than the words. You're Swan Sanchez. No, it's impossible. <laughs> it was definitely the words, not the voice. Yeah. <laughs> the fish stuff. Yeah. yeah. But they finally tell her what this is about. She is going to be the next Amerlin seat. What the fuck? I what, what, know. What? Like, this is going to piss some people off, right? I mean, it's just, she's she's just a lamb to the slaughter, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, like, she's yeah. had all this. 
How can this be good for her? They're in no way. Like, you've got this tower in exile. People have died. People have been stilled. And now they're putting this 18-year-old on the throne? Like, well, come on. I mean, she's just a puppet, right? That's yeah. the idea. Yeah, I mean, if I was cynical, I would say, you know, they, they want somebody for Elida that, that Elida can cut the head of off. Oh, that's a good point. She could be the fault person. When they go back. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's got to be it. Lined up for execution. Or, you know, best case scenario, she's a puppet, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it could be the kind of thing where both are options and it just kind of depends on how the wind blows. Mm-hmm. Chapter 35, In the Hall of the Sitters, Icon of the Wheel of Time. So they're serious. Yeah. Yeah, that this is this is they're going forward with this. They're like, this and is the deal. They've got these really spurious legal justifications. Yeah, I, this is kind of interesting to me that this like weird justification about laws and what they mean. It was kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't say anywhere you have to actually be an Aes Sedai. We we, mm. we think that's probably what they intended, but they didn't say it, so that means it's okay. And yeah. that's bullshit because Egwene's like, I want to do this, and they say you cannot refuse a summons to become Amarlin. Which they guess Fuck is the law. You. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. since sure, when? we're, we're going to bend the rules for our stuff, but we're not going to bend the rules for you. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting because she's an Amarlin. Who has not taken the three oaths? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. that's not concerning, right? An Amarlin who can lie and use magic to kill people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Huh. I mean, that's gonna go great. Those yeah. are all good points. Yeah. We get some talk. We find out that Egwene is also chesty, perhaps not as much as Nynaeve, but she's trying <laughs> on different dresses, and one of them is too tight in the bosom. Yeah, she's like, my boobs are too big for this dress. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's and then her big, boobs are totally too big for the dress. It's <laughs> blessedly loose around the hips, you know, because her butt is still sore. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. So oh yeah, big boobs, little butt. Yeah, yeah. that's what we learned about Egwene from this chapter. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I'm, thanks. I'm surprised we didn't get some description about her boobs like being pushed up in the dress or something. Her arms <laughs> crossed under her breasts. Yeah. Yeah, and they're preparing her, and she has to repeat all the words for like the oath thing that she's yeah. going to have to do and like just the way this was all playing out it really reminded me of like an FLDS wedding like you take <laughs> this young girl you put her in these crazy special clothes you have her repeat a bunch of sort of mystical shit yeah yeah, yeah. they, they railroad her right through this ceremony yeah and it's funny because Sharon's like don't worry about it we're going to guide you through all this and it's like okay well we know where this is mm-hmm. this is going and, and it's, it's like off to the races. Yeah, it's this ceremony with uh, chest bearing and foot washing. Yeah, this is a little weird, right? This declaration of womanhood. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I... That's Robert Jordan. I just assume this is what happens at the beginning of like sorority sleepovers too, but not in the Hall of Sitters. Right, know? everybody shows each other their boobs, you know, just yeah. to see if anything happens. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, you know, let's see how you feel about it, you know. Yeah. No, I, I mean... I, I actually kind of bought this, right? The the foot washing is a very Christian thing, right? And the the bearing of chest, they didn't say it in this way, but burying your chest is like a, a, a honesty, openness type thing. And also, how else do you prove your gender in a ceremonial way? I guess, yeah. I don't know. It, and I guess it matters for channelers in particular. Maybe it's a remnant of the days yeah. when male channelers were still around and a problem. Right, a male yeah. channeler I mean, adjusting... <laughs> Hi, I'm an Aesidai. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense because they know if a woman can channel. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> no, no, it's just yeah. Those this. are all a good point. Why don't they just get them to channel? But you, you know, they get naked for their their tests for the acceptance and stuff too. Uh, that's so yeah, like, totally. Part naked. of the thing, like no worldly accoutrements, mm-hmm. just you. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And then so. they have the kissing trials later, you know, <laughs> and the pillow fights. <laughs> also, Jordan's hoping they're going to make a movie out of this, and then then it's really going on. <laughs> and then he'll see everything. He'll see everything. Yeah, I just didn't find it that weird, you know? Yeah. It's mystical stuff. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. There's something like that in the Clan of the Cave Bear series. Mm, yeah. Which I think was also really big around the same time as this. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Keep meaning to read those. Yeah, you me should. Too. They're good. So the vote is not quite unanimous. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I guess I would have assumed that if they were doing this thing, then they already had everyone on board, but it's not the case. Yeah, it was a more narrow-run thing than they thought it would be. I think later Sheriam says they'd all be in trouble if that had if it hadn't gone through. Yeah, she said it is, it, if they didn't come around, because it's like they have a couple of opportunities or something like that, then it basically would have been exiled, all of them. Yeah, yeah, and the whoever had ref- who had not voted um, would have been raised Omerlin themselves. Which makes me think that they don't actually want it. Nobody actually wants to be the Armorlin in exile. It's it's hard to say. I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's, a position that's that comes with risks. Double-edged sword, for sure. Yeah. But if they go through with it, she eventually gets the votes, and now she is Armorlin's seat. Yeah. yeah. So that is a big turnaround. She thought she was about to be punished for pretending to be Aes Sedai. And now I mean, she's Aes Sedai. Her butt still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> From the whole Aes Sedai lie. <laughs> yeah. And then... After the ceremony's over, Egwene retires back to uh, her council with Sherim's squad, and they explain the political situation to her. Like, you know, WTF is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot here, right? It was it would have been Ramonda or Lelaine, and they were both kind of vying for seats, I guess. Yeah. Which means, even though she's kind of running the show, there's there's already fractures among this fracture. Yeah, and I this is what Swan has been working for mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah, I think she hints at it a couple times, or hinted at it a couple times earlier that she was hoping to be Armelin's seat, but if she wasn't, she had a backup. Yeah, and I, I think she's dead right. I think nobody else there wants to throw in for Rand, but Egwene probably will. Yep. We hope. Yep. Which is weird, because I remember before we knew that they had Egwene in mind, the Aes Sedai and Saladar were talking about how they wanted somebody who had not been in the White Tower when it was taken. Because mm-hmm. um, that would show, like, political... Yeah aspect but it's somebody who is like bffs with the dragon reborn well i think it was less about the dragon and more about elida i think if it was somebody who was in the tower when elida took over then that person would have i'm trying to remember it was something about either they took part in the rebellion or they fought against it if they were in the tower right you couldn't really be neutral unless they were away Mm -hmm. and they're hoping for somebody who's not going to necessarily you know, drive the, the chasm wider, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Egwene really, except for the Rand thing, she has no baggage, right? She's from the ass end of nowhere. She's mm-hmm. really powerful in the power, so she qualifies in that score. Which apparently measures in the Aes Sedai dick measuring hierarchy. Yeah. So chapter 36, the Amarlin is raised, icon of the White Tower flame. Icon of the flame of Tarvalon. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, Egwene, of course, begins by criticizing the Amarlin's quarters. Not good enough for her. Yeah, they take her to the quarters, which she simultaneously thinks, these are the best quarters in the whole town, and these kind of suck. <laughs> Not good enough for you, huh? Always going to find something to hate. <laughs> she has a maid. I know. I don't think she's ever had a maid before in her life. Uh, no. No, definitely not. Because, you know, as, as a, in every other place that she's been, other than the, the, uh, the two rivers, she's been a... A scrub, right? An apprentice yeah. or a novice or something like that. And you already see these these factions maneuvering. Yeah, the various Aes Sedai are already 
Yeah, trying to get her favor or manipulate her in some way. Yeah, yeah. this is why they're weak. Yeah, right? Yeah. They're too busy fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. And so th- it looks like there's at least three factions right now that we know of, right? Yeah, right? There's, uh, or that she should know of, right? There's Ramonda and Lilane and Sheriam's group. And there's also Arangar. <laughs> That's right. We don't know about that. Or she doesn't know about that. But yeah. Yeah, or Arangar's secret faction. Yeah, so, yeah, no wonder they haven't been doing anything. They've just been dicking around with each other. And Yeah, but but it, she she seems, like, awfully ready to accept this new servant as her friend or whatever. This person is definitely a spy, at the very least, and probably a Forsaken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what we've learned, this person's probably a Forsaken. <laughs> yes, almost certainly a Forsaken, like most of the people that she's met. Right. But the the... The hall of the tower, or the little tower, whatever, they present her to the people as the new Amarlin seat and do a pretty cool ceremony where they lift her up with the power up above everybody and she gives a speech. Yeah, a little pageantry for the villagers. You know, they get hard for that shit. Yeah, and in a sign of seeing things to come, she changes the speech a little bit. She throws some bones to her uh, her old friends. Yeah. Some accepted to Aes Sedai. This, is, uh, this scene is great to me because this is the first time that they get a hint that maybe they've made a mistake yeah yeah <laughs> she's like you know she's doing the speech and she's like slipping some extra stuff in there and they're like oh wait what yeah i like i mean, just as an outsider right i don't have a, a horse in this fight right yeah but they're fucked <laughs> Egwene is a big problem <laughs> yeah, that's right they just made themselves a real real mess like she's she's like the terminator she will never ever stop <laughs> and she doesn't believe in boundaries at all yup She's the one who likes to dream spy and get pissed off at people. <laughs> yeah. But this is good thinking on her part because she's going to need backers that are loyal to her. Mm-hmm. So immediately, Smart. yeah. Yeah, the little tower is getting more than they bargained for, but Egwene is, I think she's, so far she seems like she's settling in pretty well. Yeah. She's smart about it. And so the hall and the council are a little miffed that she did that on her own. But uh, fuck them. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, she makes a good point. She's like, well, uh, I mean, I'm not an Aes Sedai, and now I'm an Aes Sedai. I can do the same thing there, right? Yep, there there's, it goes. There's nothing preventing me from doing that. They're like, well, I guess that's... Now call me mother. <laughs> <laughs> call me mother, motherfucker. And we know that Shereem's the keeper, right? She, yes. She she gets herself installed as the keeper of the seals? Keeper of the scrolls? What is keeper it? Keeper of the seals, I think. No, wait, no, that's the Amberlin. Keeper of the... Keep, keeper of the flame? Oh, yeah. Keeper so, of something. Yes, yeah. she keeps stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Egwene has a, a nice reunion with Nynaeve and Elaine. Yeah, this is like NDA OG reunited. Right, yeah, right? It's been like, what? How long has it been? Like two books since they were all together again? Two books, so probably about three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A week and a half. (laughs) Yeah. And they they seem a little wary around her, which I would be wary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they haven't seen her in person in in quite a while, and she's a different, she's admittedly a probably different person than, because she's been through all this like wise one training and stuff. She's... She's maybe grown up a little bit, maybe matured a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, a di- she's, she's different. Yeah. They catch up and, and Nynaeve and Elaine uh, let slide that they want to go to Ibudar, which is great. Now their buddy's the Amarlin Seat. Yeah. <laughs> they can go on their quest. And yeah. they're Aes Sedai now. And, Egu- and Egwene tells Elaine about the whole, like, Rand giving her the throne thing, and she reacts, like, Ugh. very poorly to it. Yeah. Like, she could so be a little cooler dumb. about the fact that Rand's about to give her Lion Throne, considering he had to, you know... Bump off a of Forsaken to do it for her, you know? I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, Pride has no place here. Yeah, yeah she's, oh, he's, oh, he'll give it to me, will he? And, I mean, 
Yes, yes, because you yeah, can't I mean, kill a forsaken. Yeah, like first of all, he probably he would say it much nicer if if he knew that would bother you like that. And two, yes, he has your fucking kingdom, <laughs> and he's gonna fucking give it to you, and you can't take it from him. So take it. <laughs> just be yeah. nice about it. You know, yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to like bow and scrape. Just be like, just be cool about it. Right. Say thanks. <laughs> hey, thanks for my country back. You know, that's yeah. cool. So Egwene won't send them immediately to Ibudar because she's worried about her weak power base. She don't want to take any more chances. It's, which is smart. I mean, yeah. at this point, she's kind of you know. Uh, yeah, but you know, Nynaeve gets it right. She understands, but Elaine doesn't. Elaine is kind of miffed about that too. Which is interesting because you think that she would understand politics better than anyone. Yeah, right? so this is just yeah, a bad. That's a good point. Like a, a, a bad inning for Elaine. <laughs> yeah, but it was a nice chat overall. Yeah, I Chap- think it's just an example of the like nobility being out of touch. Mm. Is what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. She's kind of thinking. Well, you're the queen now. You do whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly. Nynaeve is used to being a wisdom and dealing with the women's circle, which I, I think that's the point they make, which is a, probably a closer analog for what yeah, the queen's doing yeah, that's right a good now. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Surprise me, though. So, chapter 37, when battle begins, icon of the Adam. So, Elaine and Nynaeve spill about Mogadian. Yeah, we've got a whole bunch of... <laughs> oh, we've got, uh, we've got an Adam, which I know you're not crazy about, but we need it because we've got a captive forsaken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First day at work, surprise! <laughs> I, but I, 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 Funny story. How many captive forsaken do you think there are in the city? No, 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 higher. <laughs> if you get zero, it's more than that. <laughs> Ironically, that's not the only forsaken in the city, but they don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, this is this is um, this is interesting. Like, like I am happy about this because one of the most frustrating things for me in in a book like this is when there's like a a secret that nobody's telling anyone. It's like causing all these problems. So clearing the air, communicating, fuck yes, I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Egwene kind of just takes her over, right? Oh, she belongs to me now. Which, Which yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. It makes sense, yeah. She's the Omerlin seat. I think there's this funny moment where uh, Egwene says something like, oh, man, that's a good thing Rand doesn't know about this. He wouldn't be okay with a captive forsaken. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I think Egwene underestimates how okay Rand would be with a forsaken prisoner. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he'd probably be cool I think Rand would sympathize. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking about building up the uh, her her base, Egwene is talking about letting even really old women try. Yeah, she's got reforms planned, which is finally, finally. This, we, this we've is, been complaining about this that the Aes Sedai have these stupid restrictions. Yes, mm-hmm. like she's talking about like an exchange program between the White Tower and the the Wisdoms and the Wind. Like it, you know, let them. Yeah, she wants every woman that can channel to be connected to the White Tower. Yes, this is this is this is how you strengthen the tower. This is what it's been needing for what a thousand right, years, yeah. probably. Yeah, and they're talking about bringing women, and she says maybe they can't all be isolated, but does that doesn't mean they're useless? I think that this is um, influenced by all the time she spent with the wise ones, because some mm-hmm. of them have the power, some of them don't. Nobody gives a fuck, you know. They all bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. She makes a an example of Sorale, right? Who who she says she would have been put out of the tower because she's not a strong channel. She can mm-hmm. channel, but not much. But she runs the wise ones because yeah. she, she like Swan, is useful for reasons besides her channeling ability. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, maybe that's Swan's long game here, right? Swan knows how this is, she knows this is how she's going to get the Aes Sedai to respect somebody with her abilities is she's going to change the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, at this point. Probably going to work in her favor, right? It does. When Egwene takes over Mogedian's Adam, 
she tests her a little bit by, you know, testing her knowledge of traveling, which Egwene already sort of kind of knows. This, this whole part is funny because, like, Egwene gets scary with her, you know? She's like, oh, you thought you'd been to, you know, fucked up town? No, I'm the mayor of fucked up town. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to torture you. And Mog- Mogedian's like, oh, shit. You know? Right, yeah. Although they keep, they threaten Mogedian by saying, oh, Egwene's been living among the Aiel. Which, to Mogedian, <laughs> is not a big threat. Right? She's I've been, been living, living among the pacifist yeah, like, the, farmers. The farmers? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. The pacifist farmer servants. <laughs> but uh, then after this, Swan, Sanche, and Egwene team up as Swan decides to, uh, as Swan becomes her, uh, what would you call it? Her ally, her buddy, her trainer? Confidant. And, and how to be a badass Amarlin seat. Yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, I think... I, I love this Swan Egwene duo because uh, Swan has all this experience and knowledge, and while she doesn't have power and strength in the one power, this is a way for her to use that influence. In fact, in a way, Swan has just become the armor and seat in the way, you know, indirectly, right? Like being an advisor to Egwene is giving her a measure of the power that she's been trying to achieve all along, right? Yeah, it's a position of huge power. And that's, I think that's awesome that Egwene is reaching out to her. Like, mm-hmm. Egwene's actually off to a pretty good start. Yeah. And yeah. as Swan says, the plump little grunter for the table turns out to be a live silver pike as long as your leg. Whatever the fuck <laughs> that means. Thanks, Swan. Remember <laughs> <laughs> your fish metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know, for sure. Yeah, I. it's cool. And, yeah. So, we get a little cut to Ramonda and Lelaine, who are politicking back and forth. They're still doing politics, kind of working against Egwene now. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that's just what Egwene is going to have to deal with. It's interesting because what they say is so identical that I almost wonder, and we, we don't, I don't think we have any evidence to support this, if Sheriam was playing them both. And I the, think they were. Like I, think, I think Swan was getting Sheriam's counsel to play the both sides against each other. Yeah, it, it sound, it's, they were saying such similar things. I think it makes sense. Yeah. But that's how the game is played. How yep. sausage gets made. But she's still she's still gonna have to sort these people out somehow because right yeah you know, if she's gonna move so we see what Delana's up to and Delana is doing what Arangar tells her to do which is play all sides mm-hmm. which yeah. doesn't seem like a good play but who knows well and and, and it, it's it's a good way to get yourself in trouble as Delana points out and yeah Arangar does not care and whoever Arangar is recognizes that Loghain is a threat again too. Yeah, Aragar yeah. wants Loghain gentled again immediately. Or killed, yeah. Or killed, which, which makes me wonder if that's Aragar's purpose here. It's possible, I guess. I don't know what that's about at all. I don't know how Loghain is a threat to the Dark One. Yeah. Or any of the Forsaken, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, Loghain is, is certainly a player, a piece on the board, but he's I, to me, he seems no more important than Mazram Tame. Except Mazram Tame's probably a Forsaken. He's, so he's like two Forsaken, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working together. Mazram Tame is probably two Forsaken who are both changing, exchanging bodies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Loghain is for some reason important to uh, Erangar. Right, interesting. But then Egwene does some politicking of her own. She sends out Swan Sanche, Nynaeve, and Elaine to... Go play the field, right? Yeah, go, go to, to the various factions and start planting seeds and ideas and manipulating them. It's a bunch of, like, reverse psychology stuff. Like, oh, this other faction is telling telling yeah. her to stay in Saladar. Yeah, what Egwene wants is for them to uh, to march on the White Tower. Apparently, To move, yeah. to do this, right? Blood in the gutters. Yeah! Rock I'm, and roll. I'm surprised. I would, have, I would have thought that she would want them to join Rand. But I guess if they can bring the White Tower in, that's better. 
Yeah, probably she's thinking the White Tower hole is much better than just Saladar. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But that's a lot of work. <laughs> Reuniting the White Tower seems like a, a pretty tall order. Mm-hmm. At this point, anyway. Yep. I love uh, I love it when Nynaeve is, is doing her little bit with uh, Ramonda. Like, Nynaeve, I think Nynaeve says something like, oh, you know, I really want to get the, break the block down. And Ramonda's like, well, okay, let's try something different. Hop on one leg and then tell me all of <laughs> all of the new Armalyn secrets. <laughs> you know, just, just like girl talk, you know, gossip. <laughs> what is she up to? <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> not, the, not the most... Yeah, most, Ramonda uh, does not seem to be subtle. No, no, for sure. But anyway, yeah, now that Gwen's in charge, maybe we can uh, move this plot forward. Yeah, let's do some stuff. Now that we're on page, what, 700-something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 38 through 43 of Lord of Chaos. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman, and I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. If you like Harry Potter, check out our other podcast, MWA Muggles with Attitude. Please like us in real life. We're so likable. Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.